Who remembers what we were speaking about last week? Especially kids. What were you t- speaking about last week? Phoebe's got a hand up. We were talking about Acts, yeah? Where about in Acts? Acts is a very big book. Can you remember any character names? Any people's names? Peter in there, Matthew? Oh, a couple of weeks back, but yeah, you're right. Peter and John did get arrested. There were a couple of people that did something. Yes, Matthew? They pretended to be one of the Christians when they weren't just, because they, they saw the Christians were sharing money and stuff like that. Okay. So they thought they could get some of the food and money. Uh-huh. Anna? There was a lame Larry. Lame Larry? Lame Larry, yeah. Lame Larry, yeah. He was the one who Peter and John healed, wasn't he? I mean, it's written in my Bible now, so it must be true. <laughs> Matthew? Yeah, those two people died. Bibi? Yeah, yeah, I mean, good. Kids were listening. <laughs> Went in. Um, I'm, I'm sure all of the adults would have been able to say exactly the same stuff as well, right? Because you were really paying attention <laughs> when I was speaking last week. Yeah, we were talking about Ananias and Sapphira last week. We were looking at how they didn't give out of a good heart. They didn't sell the field that they sold and then give the money because they genuinely wanted to help people. They did it to increase their reputation. Uh, But then it almost reads like they said they were going to sell the field and so they sold the field and then they saw how much they sold the field for and thought that's quite a lot of money isn't it why don't we just keep a little bit back for ourselves but we won't tell anyone that bit we'll just go and take this bit of the money and keep that bit for ourselves but they weren't counting on the holy spirit releasing a word of knowledge to peter that the amount they were laying down and saying this is how much we sold the field for wasn't right and yeah they For whatever reason, uh, I did not draw any conclusions beyond what the Bible itself says. Whatever reason, they fell down dead. And it caused great fear to to come upon the church. Now, last week, we saw how not to give. But I didn't feel like we should move on from that without also then spending a bit of time thinking about how we should give. Um, So that's why we're taking a slight deviation from the book of Acts. Now, I'm not going to be talking about what you might have heard called tithing. Um, That is, to my way of thinking, and I'm happy to have a chat about this afterwards because different people have different views, but to my way of thinking, tithing is Old Covenant. It was for Israel. Uh, It wasn't even about money. It was largely about livestock and contributions from what you grew on the uh, the fields. Um, And... I wish I did believe in it, because do you know what? That would be really easy to stand up and say, you're supposed to give a tenth. Sermon over. We can start singing again. But that isn't what I believe is applicable under the new covenant. Instead, we're going to look at what Paul calls the grace of giving in 2 Corinthians. Uh, We're going to look at 2 Corinthians 8 to 9. That is chapters 8 to 9. Um, That's a lot of Bible. 
in a week when we've got the kids in with us. So I'm not intending to do what I would normally do and go bit by bit, comment, etc. I've got a bit more prepared. Um, but just to give you the context so that you can make sense of it yourself when you read it in the coming days and weeks, because I'd encourage you to do that, make sure that what I'm saying is right. Check it out for yourselves in the Bible. To give yourself some context, what Paul is talking about in these two chapters, he's talking about a collection he is trying to raise to support the Macedonians. Now, the Macedonians were quite a poor group of Christians, relatively speaking. Compared to Corinth, Corinth was full of rich, sophisticated people. It was a centre of culture. There was a lot of good stuff that they had, a lot of bad stuff as well. But they were a, a prosperous region. And so what Paul is saying is that you, you need to support your brothers and sisters who are not as well off as you. And they, apparently, if you read it, you see that the Corinthians had been told about the Macedonians and they very eagerly said, yeah, we'll help, a year ago. And they still hadn't made the contribution that they said they were going to make. And so Paul is writing to, to get them to prepare their peace ahead of time. So that's, that's broadly speaking what's happening in these two chapters. But before I go any deeper into it, I want to ask a quick question. And this is for kids and adults. Would you rather receive something or give something? You'd rather give? You'd rather give? Would you rather give? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if if we you like both, yeah. 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 Okay. True. So you you, you can cover, you can have both if you if you give something, they might give you something back, and then you can all have a good time. Yeah. Anyway, Bibi. I know you would. I love you, Vivi. <laughs> yeah, that is a brilliant way to look at it. Now, with Jesus himself taught, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, it's good to receive. I ha my wife will be not at all surprised if I were to say, all, in all honesty, I quite like receiving gifts. <laughs> I like giving as well, but it's... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in my heart of hearts, if I'm being honest with you, I like to receive. It feels good to receive, but I have to take it on faith that when Jesus says it is more blessed to give than to receive, that it's worth doing. Now, what we're talking about, therefore, is the grace of giving. And I want to start off where Paul does in 8 verse 1 with the grace of God. The very first bit he says, we want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that was given to the churches of Macedonia. So if we start at the beginning, our God is not a miserly, small, mean, strict God. I hope that isn't controversial to you. That is not our God. Our God is a huge, rich generous, overflowing with blessing and abundance kind of God. Amen? Amen. 
That is who he is. If you look right at the very beginning, he gave us a beautiful garden. Beautiful. Wanted for absolutely nothing. One fruit in the whole garden we couldn't eat from. Just imagine the fruits that were in that garden. We threw it back in his face. We trashed it. And if he was this mean, miserly, small God, he would have been well within his rights to say, right, done, let's start again, boom. But he didn't. Actually, this generous God gave even more. All through the Old Testament, you can see him giving to the people of Israel so that the people of Israel would then bless the other nations. That was the aim of it. They kind of lost their way a little bit. But even more than that, he gave us his son. He gave us his only begotten son so that we can have life in him. And when he was on the earth, so, <laughs> yeah, we'll take the breeze, Lord. But apologies for the curtains that are doing their own thing at the moment. Absolutely. It's a good way to look at it. He spent his days serving all those around him. He himself said, I have not come to be served, but to serve. And then to the ultimate, he gave his life on the cross so that we can have life. In 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9, Paul says this, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich for your sake, he became poor so that by his poverty, you might become rich. This is the God that we have. This is where we start from whenever we talk about giving. Because if we think we have to somehow give so that God's got something to work with, we're missing it. We've got the wrong heart, we've got the wrong thinking. In Psalm 50, God says, don't think that if I was hungry, I would tell you. The earth is mine and everything in it. So we're not talking about needing to give so that God has stuff. No, it's all his. We start from grace and generosity. Now from that, having sorted that, I've just got a bunch of questions. First of all, why should we give? Actually, it'd be good to hear. Why do you think we should give? If we've got more than we need. If we've got more than we need, yeah. Anna? Because maybe you get it back like a boomerang. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Interesting. Anyone else? Why do you think we should give? Yeah, helping the kingdom to grow. Yeah. So it helps us to remember it's not us. Yeah, helps us to remember it's not us. Absolutely. It's not ours. It's not ours, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Interesting. Yeah, helps the poor, absolutely. Anyone else? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're following the example of our generous God. Absolutely. That's kind of what I've got written down. We do it to follow the example of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Because as we worship him, as we follow him in the power of the Spirit, we should find our lives looking more and more like his. Amen? We become what we behold. And as we gaze at him, the generous, mighty, wonderful, blessing God... That is who we become. There is also, if you look in the back half of chapter 9 in 2 Corinthians, there is also an element in which generosity is good news for us. 
in some ways, what Anna said is absolutely right. It is a bit like a boomerang. Paul talks about this principle of sowing and reaping. You know, there is a sense in which anything we give to other people and to, to the, God's mission is sowing a seed and then we reap back from that blessings, sometimes material, absolutely, but sometimes it's about um, having the blessing of partnering with him in his mission in the earth, building and extending his church, reaching the lost and the least with the good news, sharing in the privilege of helping those in need like Alex was talking about. It is a privilege to help those who need things. It really is. God wants us to do that. We get the benefit of the adventure of following your father's leading in how to be generous. And we get the joy of seeing increased thanks and praise flowing back to God because of stuff that we did. You know, Paul talks about this whole dynamic that goes on when we are generous with one another, when we are generous with those who need it. It just causes praise and wonder and thanksgiving amongst us, but also up to the father. So that's why we should give it. That's my testimony, as God has led me on a journey of increasing generosity. We did go through a period, actually, where I felt like the Lord said, don't give. We, we didn't, we couldn't. But over time, he has opened us up again to be able to be generous with what he has given us. And I'm sure there's more for us to learn as we go forward. So why should we give all of that good stuff? What should we give? Give your time, not just money, yeah. Absolutely. In 2 Corinthians 8, uh, verse, where is it? Verse 5, Paul says this. Instead, they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us by God's will. See, it is ourselves that we give to God first of all. Before we even think about time, talent, money, whatever other finite thing we've got, we give ourselves, first of all, because he's great. Because he's given us everything anyway. As Becky was saying, it's not ours in the first place. It's all given to us by him. But if we haven't given ourselves to the Lord, then any other thing that we might give is just tinkering at the edges. It's what Ananias and Sapphira did in the first place. But Linda's right, it will be more than just money. Paul's right. It will be time, energy, knowledge, talents, the things that we can do. One of the things I have loved about this first half of a year as Trinity Life Church is that people have been coming in and bringing what they bring in terms of talents and time and energy. We've had more people speaking than just me. We've had more people leading worship than just me and Phil. We've had people come and start getting Sunday set up done. Even that kind of mundane thing of just coming a little bit earlier and getting this space set up so that it is ready to receive people. That is brilliant. And that is fantastic to give yourself in that kind of way. When you're thinking about that sort of thing, actually sometimes giving money can be a bit of a cop-out, especially if you're well off. If you're pretty well off, it is easy to sign a dotted line, have a regular standing order go out, and then sorted, I'm contributing. No, there's more than just money. 
But in 2 Corinthians 8 to 9, Paul is talking about money. I just didn't want to focus only in on that and forget about the rest of it. Okay, next question. Where should we give? What should we give into? Any thoughts? Hmm? To God? Yeah, absolutely. Any other thoughts about where we should give into? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Charities. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, brilliant. As Matthew was just saying, to charities. Absolutely. It is good to give to charities as well. Roger. Widows and orphans, yeah. It's really good. We should be giving to whatever God directs us to give to. Yeah, yeah. It's just that our ears aren't always very good. Yeah, <laughs> very true. Personal. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I give to where my heart is, so, mm-hmm. um, like, for example, as charities, because they yeah. people in the future. Yeah, of course. And, like, I give my time to the school because yeah. it has a value to me and my daughter, so mm-hmm. I want to give back. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. I think there's a juggle over giving it locally, giving mm-hmm. it nationally. I think like, we are called to love and care for the nations as well. Yes. Yeah. Our local community where we're at. Yeah. It's like a, both. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. See, Paul was asking the Corinthians to give in specifically to a collection to support the Macedonians. And that is really good. With so much brokenness and need in the world, there really is no shortage of places to give our time, talent, energy, knowledge, and money. And it's good to do as much as you can, as far and wide as you can. Now, part of what I wanted to do with this morning is also then give out our view on how we're gonna handle giving as Trinity Life. And we do have to say that we believe that it is normal and good for each person who is believing in Jesus to commit their time, talents and money to the local church that they call home. It's a good and normal thing to do, but you've got to think rightly about it. It's not a subscription fee. It's not for religious services rendered. It isn't like the the kingdom equivalent of Netflix. (laughs) It isn't that. It's really easy to think of it like that, but it isn't that. What it is, is a way for us to partner with God in the mission that he has for Trinity Life Church. I think there's two components to that. There's regular church life. There is fellowship together with one another. Um, The money that I know a lot of you are already giving in to Trinity Life Church has paid for the the burger buns and the hot dogs and things like that, that we're gonna be enjoying a bit later on. Commission Festival. We are going to be getting a big marquee so that we, those of us who go along can spend some time together. Whoever comes and visits for the day can do that. You know, that's all part of fellowship, discipleship. Um, when we went and ha- did um, Hope Explored at the pub, it was the, the money that we all give in to the pot that helped pay for the rent of that pub and the food that we, we laid on for those that came along. So evangelism and mission is a regular part of why we give in to the local church. But it's also caring for those in need amongst us. We have helped people who have been part of Trinity Life with nuts and bolts needs of daily life. And that is part of what God has called us to do. 
So there's regular church life, but there's also occasional above and beyond objectives. There's things like special social needs like Ukraine, um, COVID relief funds, anytime there's a tsunami or an earthquake, often what we will do is we'll signpost to kind of new frontiers level initiatives so that you can give in to that and support those people there. Um, within the local church, there are occasionally building projects. Um, not for us yet. One day, maybe. But in Basingstoke, they've gone through a massive journey of procuring a building and now having to fit and refurbish that building. Lots of other churches as well have gone through building projects. Sometimes it's a, a case of, do you know what, we really sense a need to have someone that is dedicated to evangelism and we would love to be able to pay someone part-time so we need maybe a little uplifting giving so that we've got those resources to equip us as a church to reach out with the good news in a better way. So there are occasional above and beyond as well. And if we don't partner like this, the truth is that our ability to fulfill our mission together is going to be limited. But if we each commit to giving in this way as we can, and I'm going to talk a bit more about how in a moment, then we've got all we need to reach out to God um, in Swindon and beyond. I do want to just underscore, we, Signal family, are partners with you in this. I don't want you thinking that this is some sort of funding drive. As much as anything else, this is something we've been going on as a church for about two and a half years now, and we've only talked about this once, uh, about two and a half years ago. So I just wanted to, to say, we are also giving into this. This is what God has called us together to do. And it's a privilege to do it with you. It really is. So why, what? Where, how should we give? Um, 2 Corinthians 8. Um, actually, before I go there, any ideas on how we should give? From you guys, I've spoken enough. It's possibly a more abstract question, to be fair. Shall I just say? Okay. How should we give? Well, in... One of the words that you will see repeatedly in these two chapters, if you look at it, is eagerly. Paul talks about eager to give. He talks to the Corinthians about, you were eager to help the Macedonians. Now please go ahead and do it, because they were dragging their feet a little bit. I'm not saying that to us, that's just Paul talking to Corinth. Eagerly is a repeated refrain. There's an interesting one in chapter 9. Cheerfully. God loves a cheerful giver, Paul says. It's those who sow cheerfully who will reap the blessing that God wants us to experience through what we give. So it isn't that we're supposed to do it through gritted teeth. Sometimes the way people talk about giving, they'll say, you've got to give sacrificially for God to bless you. That isn't how it is. God loves a cheerful giver. If you cannot give something freely, willingly and cheerfully I want to suggest that God doesn't want it God doesn't want it I don't want it as, a, as one of the leaders here at Trinity Life Church if you, if you feel like you are giving because you must do or you ought to and it isn't something that's genuinely springing up from your heart out of cheerfulness and eagerness we're alright thank you it's okay there is grace. I'm going to share something. Mm. It's not meant to be in opposition to that, but mm -hmm. 
an example. I remember a testimony by a guy who um, had come into church. Um, it came in the collection time and he had five pounds left. That was it. Nothing else, couldn't spend anything else. And he, he had to put something in if he only had that five pounds. And it was like he, you know, it was, it was hard to do it, but he did it anyway. Mm -hmm. After church, somebody handed him a handful of money. Yeah. You know, he wasn't giving it cheerfully, but he was giving it from a heart that said, I need to give this. Yeah. You know, and God immediately responded, yeah. which is just amazing. He was giving it willingly. Yes. Not under compulsion. Yeah. Yeah. There is also the word freely. Paul says, give cheerfully, not reluctantly or under compulsion. How many of you have been in a meeting where they're laying it on thick about the need to give? I have. I hate it. That isn't what this is this morning. This is not, we need your money. No. This is just something we need to talk about because it's there in the Bible. But we are supposed to give freely. You know, through this passage, Paul is teaching us that God has freed us to give in line with our conscience under the leading of the Holy Spirit. And in this church, we're looking for giving that springs from a faith response to God's goodness, not guilt, manipulation, sense of compulsion or must-do, obligation. That isn't it. So how should we give? Eagerly, cheerfully, freely. How much should we give? I've already said that we're not a tithing church, so that knocks that one on the head. And Paul, in, again, 2 Corinthians 9, Paul says, each person should give as he has decided to give in his heart. Yeah? So it is between you and the Lord how much you give. It is between you and the Lord how often you give. If you can give on a one-off fashion, amen, hallelujah. If you can give regularly, brilliant. If you can give five pounds and that is what is in your heart to give, brilliant. If you can give more, as long as it's coming from a faith response and a heart of love and generosity, amen. You should pray and ask how much God wants you to give and how often he wants you to give. And you might be surprised how specific God is. I have heard stories of um, New Frontiers churches where they were doing a bit of a drive for a building fund and uh, my friend's dad said, Lord, how much should I give? And it was something ridiculous like 106 pounds and 25p. And that is how much he gave. And when they did the totals at the end, they found that to the penny, they had exactly as much money as they said they needed. To the penny. God knows what his mission needs and he can lead you to play your part in it. Amen? Now our expectation and hope for all of us is that we're going to live a life of ever-expanding faith and generosity that increases. Again, we can testify that to that in our lives. I've already said we went through a period where I felt like God said, don't give. And there are reasons for that that I can share with you. But at that particular time, it wasn't right for us to give. But from that point, he took us on a journey to starting to give every now and again, to giving more, to beginning to give to charities, to beginning to be more generous with what he gives us. 
And step by step, our walk with him has led us to increase the amount that we are cheerful in giving. Now, as far as church is concerned, we are in faith for God to release exactly what we need through the ways that Paul talks about, through eager, cheerful, free givers who lead in response to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now, is it ever okay to not give? I've kind of tipped my hat here because I've told my story. When is it okay to not give? There's a rhythm and a season to life in God's kingdom with times where we should give and times where we shouldn't give. Now, you might be in a season where God is releasing you from the standard normal practice of giving. Now, some circumstances where this may apply include where you're under difficulty. There isn't much money coming in. It's fine to not give if you haven't got much. Paul says uh, in middle of chapter 8, this isn't so that you have hardship. This isn't so that you give everything away and then struggle yourselves. No, it's actually an equality thing. It's a reciprocity that says when you have abundance, you give to those who don't. And then when they have abundance further down the line, they give to you so that there is equality. And then he quotes a passage that says, he who had much did not have too much. He who had little did not have too little. You know, this is not, you've got to suffer, no. You might be in a situation where you don't have anything to give other than your time, other than your gifts. Dave? In other circumstances, you say God telling them what to give, but sometimes he says not to give. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, I won't mention that we went to a certain conference in London, and we were just having coffee, and it was, um, it was in Wembley, and uh, we were coming around with buckets straight away uh, before we were really went into it, you know. Yep. I felt I was wrong. Yep. Know, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's one of my bullet points. You have no peace in giving. Something doesn't seem quite right. Maybe you've got short-term debts that you must pay. I've had short-term debts that I've had to cover before I was able to start giving. Thankfully, God blessed us and led us out of it. But if that is the situation you're in, it's okay to not give. The other circumstance where you shouldn't give is when there is something in your heart, a bit like Ananias and Sapphira, that wants to give to look good. That does the kingdom of God no good. Because it's mixed motives. Genuinely, I don't want it. God doesn't want it. Paul, in 2 Corinthians 8 verse 12, talks about having both the willingness or the eagerness and the means to give. And there's a sense in which the gift is acceptable according to what you have, not according to what you don't have. That's literally what Paul says. The gift is acceptable according to what you have, not according to what you don't have. We're not aiming at increasing hardship. And as I've already said, the ultimate target is equality. It might be that you're in a season where God intends for you to receive from your brothers and sisters in the church so that later on you can bless them. But you've got to know the season that you're in. If you currently don't have the means to give money, I don't feel like you need to. You really don't. You are welcome to be part of this part of the body. And if you have needs, let us know, please. We will do what we can. 
If you're giving out of a sense of compulsion or ought to, I would also encourage you to stop and think, is it right for me to give at this time? Take some time to pray about it. If you're married, pray with your partner and seek the Lord about whether he is leading you to give in this season or not. And if he tells you not to, because he might do, ask him why and then walk with him together so that at the right time, you can start giving again. But rest assured, here, you are free to give or not give as he leads. Bottom half of chapter eight, this is almost the last bit. Paul talks about some precautions that he takes. He is well aware that money is dangerous. He is well aware that they could be accused of just trying to get some money or it could even give opportunity for some sin to go on in the area of finance. Someone pocketing the money a bit like Judas used to when he was the treasurer for Jesus' disciples. And so he talks about the precautions he's taking. One of them is that he's going to send uh, Titus to help with the collection and some mysterious other brother that all the churches speak well of. And it's almost like the churches have said, yeah, we'll accept that person helping out with this because we know he's good. So Paul is taking pains to talk about the, the mitigations he's putting in place to de-risk when handling money. So how are we taking precautions with your giving? Well, the first precaution is that I don't know who's giving and who isn't. I don't want to know. We've deliberately set it up so that unless you tell me, I don't know that you're giving. There are two people who know how much you are giving. God and the accountant for Gateway Life Trust, the, the charitable organisation that we currently operate under. Every now and again, I get a report showing me kind of how much we've had on a month-by-month -month basis. Even more occasionally, I have an update to say seven different households are giving at the moment, but that's not every time I get an update about the finances generally. But I don't want to know who is giving and who isn't. Because I want to be free to love, serve and encourage you without being influenced by any sense of, well, you're giving, but you're not. So you'll get some of my time or you'll have an opportunity, but you won't, I'm afraid. I don't like it. That's not good. We are the body of Christ. And if we are giving more than just our money, but also our time, talents and energy, then if you're not able to give financially, it is right that you're able to give your time, your energy, your hands and your feet to what we are doing as a community. So I don't know who's giving. I don't know who isn't giving. I don't want to know. When we have our own charity that we set up and we're not a million miles away from it yet, but we're not there yet, I'm going to set it up in exactly the same way so that I never know who's giving. I don't think it's right to. Other people feel differently. I'm not going to judge people for that. Other leaders would say, actually, I have a responsibility to know who's giving and who isn't so that I can disciple them well. It's not how I'm going to play it. As much as anything else, I know my own heart too well. <laughs> and I know what that knowledge could possibly do. We want to be free to love and lead you well. Now, the final question. Um, now, and I don't know who. I don't, looking out at you. Genuinely, if I make eye contact with you and it's safe to, because I don't know who's giving and who isn't giving. You're just brilliant. And I know that some of you are already giving. I know those of you that can have been giving for some time. And I want to say thank you.
for the ways that you are giving in to the, the community that is growing here in Swindon, Trinity Life Church. It is an honour and a privilege to partner with you. It really is. God has given us a massive mission, bigger than we are right now. And I am grateful for your faithfulness to follow God's leading. Now, if you do not currently give, and you can tick the boxes that we've gone through because you know that you're able, you've got the means to give, you can do it eagerly, you can do it cheerfully, you can do it freely without any sense of manipulation or compulsion, then, and if you consider Trinity Life to be your home, how can you do that? How can you start giving if you haven't been so far? Well, there are, Phoebe, can you do the final slide on the preach bit, please? There we go. At the moment, all giving is done through um, direct giving into bank accounts. We haven't yet spun things up so that we can kind of take cash or checks or anything like that. If that would be of interest to you, if that would help, let me know and we can work out how to do that. But again, one of those precautions we're taking is I am not handling any money whatsoever. I think it's just safer that way. Um, so at the moment, it is through a, a bank transfer. That can be um, one-off gifts, as and when you feel like you've got some, some, something that you can contribute. It could be a regular standing order as well, if that's where you're at. One thing we're never gonna do for as long as I am leading this church we are not going to take up an offering. Uh, when we were talking about songs last week, Shelley reminded me of bringing in the sheaves. There's a song that you can sing during the offering. We're not ever going to take an offering as a church, not as a pass a basket round. Just a couple of reasons. One, it's very, very easy to feel like you have to when an offering basket is passed around. And it genuinely might be that you're giving regularly through standing order. So I don't see much benefit to do it. The other thing is I don't ever want people to feel like they are paying to come and be here. Freely we have received from Christ. Freely we welcome people among us. Yeah? So we're not going to take an offering. But if you are in a place where you can give a one-off gift or set up a standing order, the bank account details are there. I can email it out. Uh, I am intending to kind of consolidate what I've said here into something that I can make available so that everyone knows where we're at on giving. Because uh, it is one of those areas that people often ask about. But uh, the final thing to talk about how you can give is gift aid. If you pay income tax uh, and if you don't mind... Signing a gift aid declaration is really helpful because what it means is that the government pays us 25% on top of what you give. You know, we can say, the, the accountant, not me, can say, Bob has just given £100. Mr. UK government, can I have, 100, 100, can I have 25 back, please? It doesn't cost you anything. If you're a higher rate taxpayer, it actually means you can claim a little bit more tax back because um, it's a charitable donation. Um, but if you are able to do a gift aid declaration, we've got some just in front of the computer over there. Uh, we've also got some envelopes because ideally, I don't want to know who signed one. I mean, if you can fill one in, pop it in an envelope that will be next to it and then leave it on there, I'll pick them up. I won't open the envelopes and I'll just hand them over to someone in Basingstoke um, so that when you then start doing what you've said, they'll be able to tally it up and claim that gift aid back. If you don't pay income tax, feel free to just do however you do with bank account details. 
So we covered a fair bit of ground. Um, I said at the start, I, I don't like talking about this. I would much rather talk about the goodness of our God, Jesus. Dave. You asked a question at the start, giving and receiving. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what? Thank you, Dave. That that's spot on. Actually, you're right. There is a there is a dignity in being able to partner with one another in this way. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely we do. And that's the foundation for it all. Yeah. In the other Corinthians letter, Paul says, what, have you, what do you have that you haven't received? We've received everything. Yeah. And it's out of that that God wants to release his generosity working through us. Yeah. We are privileged to partner in whatever way we can. Yeah. Time, energy, yes, money, if you fit all of the different things we've talked about as what Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 8 to 9. But we are privileged to partner with each other in all the ways that we put our hands together to do what God has called us to do here in Swindon. Because there are people who don't know that there is a God in heaven. There are people that know there's a God in heaven and don't like him because they don't know that the God that is in heaven is the Lord Jesus Christ who gave his life for them. They don't know it. And so we partner together to get the word out so that he gets the glory and he gets the honour. Amen. We're going to worship together. We're going to break bread shortly. Um, but just let's lift our hearts to the Lord. Let's avoid the curtains as people come to lead us in worship. Um, we're going to just praise the Lord Jesus together again. Amen.